0: Top of the morning, church family. Um, I'm Eli Rickard. I'm a senior at Nexus, and I'm going to be opening up the sermon for you guys this morning. We're going to be reading out of Psalm 63, so that's in page 822 of the church Bible, just so you guys have some time to turn there. I'm going to give you guys some context for this passage. It is um, a psalm of David that he wrote when he was in the wilderness of Judah in the desert um, in Israel. And I didn't do a a good job um, painting this picture, I think, like, in, in its complete justice for First Hour, so sorry to everyone from First Hour, but um, what, what I really want you guys to focus on here is that, that the desert of Israel is a very arid place. There's not a lot of plants, not a lot of water, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot of sun, you know, and it's all rocks. That's, that's all there is there. And so... In this psalm, you know, David is running away, um, hiding from, from King Saul, and he's, he's hiding out in the wilderness, you know, amongst all these rocks, and, and he's just out in the sun, right? And he, he's calling out to God as, as a way to worship him, right? And, and a way to, to spend time with God, you know, even though he, he's on the run and he's out in the wilderness. So, so let's just jump right into verse 1, you know, hop right into it. It says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land with no water." So obviously, we live in, in Midwest America. There's not, there's not really a desert here. Um, and we get, we get rain, although this year it's kind of been a drought. But I want you guys to picture a time when you have been without water, you know? Just like, just like David says here, he says, in a land where there is no water, right? So an example from my life, I worked at the beach this last summer, and there was lots of days, you know, I was always outside in the sun, right? And there would be times where I would, I would forget my water, you know, or I would drink all my water, and we'd be out of water. And I would be dehydrated, and I would be there really thirsty, and I'm just out there baking in the sun, right? And I, I long for that water, you know? And I, I, that's all I'm thinking about, and I'm, I'm weak, and I'm, I'm really just desiring to get some of that water, right? And then finally my shift ends, right? And I, I get to go and I get to refill my water bottle when I get home. And I drink that water, you know, and it refreshes me. It gives me new energy, right? And it, it makes me feel full again. And I get my energy back and I, I'm just so refreshed by that water. And I'm sure everyone here has some sort of situation like that where all they wanted was water, right? And so in this psalm, right, David is comparing God to that, that feeling of, of refreshing water, right? He says, I thirst for you, God. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water, right? So he's saying, like, in this desert, right, God is that water. It's that refreshing feeling, right? And so I really want to paint this picture for you guys, right? Picture this desert, right? The sun is beating down, right? And all there is is rocks. And and God is that that only refreshment that you can find in that desert, right? There's not going to be any other plants or anything like that. It's just that water that will that will refresh you right and so in our lives right we kind of live in in this spiritual desert right we have to go to our work and we have to go to our schools and we have to all these different things that we have to do throughout our week and yet that that same thing is that that barren land that that David kind of is, is in, in this passage, right? It's that desert. It's arid and it's dry and that is our lives, right? The things that we have to do outside of church is that dry desert, right? And the sun it beats down on, on, on you while you're in the desert and it's so hot and dry and that sun is all the all the issues in our life, right? Putting pressure on us, right? We a lot of times have our jobs, right? They, they put deadlines on us or give us work to do and that really pushes pressure on us. Or school, you know, I have homework that I have to do. I have tests I have to study for, right? And that that puts a lot of pressure on me, and it takes time away from that water, right? In in some cases, it even kind of dries up that 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 water, you know. But but God, you know, and, and our time with God is is that refreshing drink of water that we can find, you know. And there's these places in the desert called oases, right? And it's, it's where there's the spring of water, and it's constantly full of water, and all the plants grow up around it, and it's green, and it's lush, and it's full of life. And that is, that is our time with God, right? And, and in that desert of life, we need to be seeking that oasis, you know? So the, the main title of the, the lesson today is, What You Love is What You Will Worship. And what you worship is what you will live. So I'm really going to focus on that, that loving and seeking part of this, right? That we should be seeking that water in the desert, right? We should be chasing after it. And that should be the one thing, you know. When you're in that desert, all you're going to think about is getting that water and feeling refreshed. Because, because, you know, your mouth will be dry without that water. And you'll, you'll be just, all you can think about is that water. And that will be what you're seeking, right? And so I really just want to focus on that point with you guys this morning, right? And the David says, "I thirst for you, God, right He all he wants is god and and in this way he compares God to water right and And if we look at um a verse in John chapter four in thirteen and fourteen, right it's a story he's at Jesus is at the well with a Samaritan woman, right and she's she's refilling her water, and Jesus starts you know talking to her about about her life right and and all this stuff, and then he comes to this point where he says. Everyone who drinks this water from the well will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life, right? So he's saying to this woman, right, I am the water that you can drink that will fill you and you will always be refreshed by this eternal spiritual water, right, you can drink all this water in the desert right, and, and you can go to your well, whatever that is in your life, you know that you think is giving you that that refreshment, but Jesus is that only eternal water right, and he will you will drink from him right, and you will not thirst again right as as, as I want to paint this picture of the desert, you know we may be wandering through that desert looking for water right and and we see mud right and we're like well there's water in that mud and we try to fill ourselves with that mud or that murky water right and and that won't that won't refresh us in fact that'll that'll probably hurt us even more but if we find that oasis right that spring of water it will fill us and refresh us and that there will always be water in that oasis and that will be what will sustain us right and, and so we oftentimes, just like this Samaritan woman in the, in the story of John 4, right? She's just trying to fill herself with that, that water from the well. And, and Jesus talks more about her sins that she also tries to fill herself with. But, but Jesus is that eternal water. And that's exactly what David is trying to say in this psalm, right? That we need to long for Jesus with our entire being and thirst for him. And it's easy to say this, right? As I, as I come up here, I can say, yeah, you guys need to, you guys need to chase Jesus and, and seek him and thirst for him. But that's not easy to do. And I know I'm, I'm guilty of this, too. I go to Sunday morning, and I hear the lesson, and I sing the songs. And then I go home, and, and I go through my week. And, and, you know, the next day is Monday, and I may not even pray that day. Or I may not even open my Bible on Monday, Right? Or, or I come to youth group on Wednesday night, and I, I read my Bible with all, all the people in my grade, and our small group talks about it. And the next day, I don't live out anything that we talked about. And it's very easy for all of us to do this. And I, And I know that a lot of us desire to seek God, but then we we have a hard time making time for it, you know, and, and we might not get around to it. And that's not an easy thing to do, but I want to encourage you guys, you know, to, to seek God and to to chase after him because we love him, right? If we look down to verse three, it says, your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name, I will lift up my hands, right? In the, In this verse, David is saying that that God's love is better than life. I'm going to say that again. God's love is better than life. And so in this, he's saying that he's willing to wander through that desert and even, in a way, sacrifice his life to find God and to find his love and then that comes from a desire to love back at God, you know. God loves us out of his, all of his glory and power, right? He's willing to come down and love each one of us individually. And David is saying that in that, he's willing to sacrifice his life to love back to God. And, you know, because God loves him, he's willing to, to go out into that desert of life and search for that water and search for that oasis and that spring, you know. And, and we should be the same way. We should, we should be willing to say, God loves me. I want to love him back, so I'm going to seek him in every aspect of my life. I have a water bottle that, that I bring everywhere with me, right? And I, it's down in my seat right now. I drank through it, the entire water bottle, first service. I drank through it before I came to church today, right? I go through almost every hour of my day refilling that water and drinking it, you know? And I take that water bottle everywhere I go. I take it to school. I take it to work. I take it even here to church, right? And, and I, keep, I keep it with me everywhere I go. And in that same way, you know, that that I need that water, it fills me, right? And I feel refreshed every time I drink it. In that same way, that should be God for us, right? Like, I go through my desert of life with that water bottle, but I should be going through my desert of life with that water from God. I should take God everywhere with me, you know? Anything I do, I should find a way to turn it into, into worship for him, you know? And I should take him everywhere I go, and I should make time for him, you know. There's a, there's a verse in the Bible that says to be praying continually, you know. That's what it means to really take God with you everywhere, to find time to pray at any point in your day, and to set aside time to read your Bible, you know. That's what it really means to be seeking God, is to be always trying to make time for him, and always trying to love him, you know. And and I guess what I want to say to you guys, right, is that you will do anything for, for what you love, you know. You will, you will cross that desert, for the things you love. Each one of us, you know, probably has a favorite restaurant with the food we love, right? And we would be willing to drive hours to go to that restaurant, right? Or each one of us probably has someone in our life, that a person that we love, and we would be willing to travel to see that person, right? In that same way, David is saying that, that in this way, we should be crossing that desert to seek after God because we love God, right? And we should be willing to, to go through all this hardship to find God. And, and as, I, as I say this, you know, Once again, I want to remind you guys that this is easy to say on paper, but it's hard to do. And so, most of us, you know, we'd get in that desert and we would wander and we would look for that water. But the longer we go looking for that water, if we don't find it, right, we're going to get weaker and weaker and weaker. When I don't drink out of my water bottle, I get weak and I get faint and I get dehydrated, right? And there's a point where sometimes some of us might just give up. We might just lay down and we say, There's no way I'm going to find that water. You know, and in our spiritual life, that might be. We say, I can't find time to read my Bible. I'm too busy. I'm just going to only go to church on Sunday. Or maybe even, I'm just going to watch church from home on Sunday because I can't even get out of bed to come to church, you know. And, and there's this picture I want to paint, you know. You see those dry bones in the desert, right, of like skulls of animals and all that stuff. And those animals, you know, they, they became thirsty and eventually they just gave up and they turned into bones. And in the same way, we dry up and we become bones sometimes in our spiritual lives. And so what I really want you guys to get out of this, you know, is as I introduce this sermon, right, I want you guys to be considering this. Are you letting yourselves dry up and become bones? Are you, are you giving up, you know, on, on worshiping and loving God? Why do you come to church on Sunday mornings, you know? Are you coming here to seek God? Are you, are you, is your heart in the right place where you want to worship him and love him, like this psalm says, where you're willing to give up your life, to chase after God's love? Are you coming to church you know, to seek that love of God you know, and to carry that throughout the rest of your life, the rest of your week you know, as you go? Are you, are you willing to carry that with you and seek him? You know, Like I carry my water bottle everywhere I go. Are you willing to take God with you? you know? And are you willing to chase after him like he's that oasis in the desert, right? And so I'm, I'm gonna finish up my part here and Isaiah's gonna talk more about, about loving God and that leading to worship and that worship leading to life. But I really want you guys to consider are you seeking God like he's that water in the desert? You know, because you can very easily give up, you know, and then bam, we're, we're dry bones. But I want you guys to really consider that, that you are chasing after God like that water. And I want to encourage each of you to really think about that and to really start living your life like you are seeking that oasis in the desert. So Isaiah is going to come up and he's going to really jump into the rest of the sermon for us.
1: Top of the morning, church family. It is a pleasure to be here. My name is Isaiah Kirking. I'm 17. I'm a senior in high school. And um, I'm just really excited, so let's just, let's just get this. Let's dive into his word, into Psalm 63. So we're going to continue on that theme of why do we worship and why should we seek him? Right? The answer being that because, because we love him. So this first point that we're going to focus on is what you love is what you worship so when we look at David in this passage you know he's like Eli was explaining he's in the wilderness he's in the dry desert and some some things about David is that he was a man and he was called man, a, a man after God's own heart and, and God he, des, he describes David in Acts chapter 13 he says I found David son of Jesse a man after my own heart he will do everything I want him to do so David was known, he did everything that God had called him to do, and he was following God, yet he also made a lot of mistakes. But God still called him a man after his heart. In all of his sin, and all of his good deeds, what set him apart was not how bad his sins were or how good his deeds were, what set him apart was that he made his life an effort, an effort to chase God's heart. So that, that, that draws in this piece of longing that he describes, right? He, in, in verse 1, he talks about how his soul is crying out to God, how it's thirsting for God, and his flesh is calling out to him. And, and David's longing, his crying out, is, is important to, to look at because he knew that in the desert that he was in, that God was the only thing that could satisfy him and bring him peace to his current situation. Right, so something personal, right, right for me, like, and, for, and I guess for some of my friends, like, when, when new, like, forms of entertainment come out, so like when music comes out, like a new song or album, or a new TV show or movie comes out, or a new game comes out that I can play with my friends. Like, I, I get this, like, I get filled with anticipation and excitement, like, I gotta stay up if it comes out at, at at 12 at 12 at night I got I got to stay up till midnight and listen to this album or we need to go right now and buy tickets for this movie right and and I just I just get filled with this anticipation yet there, there are so many like there's so many chapters and books in the bible that I have yet to read and there's so much time in a day that you can spend getting to know God yet I struggle at times to feel that same excitement that same buildup, that same longing Like compared to when something, some new form of entertainment comes out. So, you know, are we are we seeking, are we seeking out our relationship with God? Are we allowing ourselves to be excited, to long to be in his presence? Are our hearts, our souls, and our minds, are we thirsting and longing to grow and to know him more? So I want to ask a question: how deep is your desire? We often we get stuck in these patterns, these repeating patterns in our lives, and then we reach periods where we don't really spend time with God consistently. Kind of like with what Eli was saying about, you know, we allow ourselves to dry up. You know, are we being aware of those times? Are, are within these patterns, do we notice any sense of longing to get back to where we were? It's important to, to self-examine, to see, to ask yourself, do I truly desire God. Do I truly desire for him to be everything in my life? Do I thirst? Do I long for him? And another truth that is in verse 1 is that we are longing for a powerful God and for a holy God. The first thing that he does is that, he, David, he cries out to God claiming that God is his God. It is so true that God is for us when we are lost and when we are in need. And he is here. He is here in this moment. His presence is in this building. And what a gift that is. It's so easy to forget that God is with us in every waking moment and that he sees you and that he's personal. You know, our hearts and our souls and our mind, we must acknowledge that he is real. That we belong to him. That our relationship with him is personal. and That he is our God. We kind of, we get caught up in this this way of thinking as well, that he is here when we are alone and sad and dealing with loss or emptiness. But we, we, we forget at times that he is here when we are experiencing the most success we've ever felt. When we are at the top of the world and we forget that he is with us and his presence is with us in that moment as well. We get caught up in the trap that God is here with us when we are in need. But like, what he, he is, but what about when we're thriving? What about, what about his hand? What about acknowledging his hand in our blessings? So how often do we ignore his presence? You know, There's just, we so often, we tend to forget that he's with us and we feel like we, we just, we don't need him right now. I don't need to cry out to you. I don't need to acknowledge that you are my God because I'm okay right now. You know, it, It's essential to have time to just sit and behold his power and his beauty and his hand in your life so verse three is a very important verse because it says because your steadfast love is better than life my lips will praise you god's love is better than life and god's love is who he is god is love it is in his character. It is in all that he is, he is love. He is the only true representation of what love is because without God, there is no love. In this, in this book that I'm reading called Plain Theology for Plain People by Charles Octavius Booth, he talks about how, how God's love is a compassionate love. It's a truly, he says that it's a truly wonderful love and the more that we think about the sinfulness of our sin the more wonderful the love of God will appear to us and that is so true because his love apart from us is still beautiful and still wonderful and then when you add that on top of how broken we are it just shows us how much how amazing his love is and how much we need it and it's going to be so much more appealing and we're going to long for it so much more because we realize that it's the most important thing in our lives 1 John 4, 9 through 11 says, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appropriation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we we also ought to love one another. So God's love is a love that is beyond us. We didn't choose this love. We didn't ask for this love. And there's a time in each of our lives where we felt like we didn't need this love. And yet through all of our sin, and he gave us this gift, this compassionate and unconditional and this undying love that we can depend on each and every day. So I want to ask you a question, what do you love? Because it's, it's important to know what you love. Because hear this, what you, what you worship is a direct result of what you love. So what you worship in your life is going to be a direct result. Result of what you love the most. An example for me is that I love music a lot, like listening and playing music to the point where I confide in it when I feel opened or exposed or insecure. You know, and at school I walk around with my headphones in, tuning out everybody else just so I can be in my own little world, right? So I can feel that confidence. I need that one song to make me feel better today, right? But th- that, is, that is wrong. Music is great, but I I abuse the privilege to listen to it because I allow myself to ignore the presence of God in my life. And I just make everything about me. When we look at what real love is, it's an expression that that needs to be fulfilled. C.S. Lewis, he puts it great. He says, it's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The, The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. What is the point on on, on saying how amazing or how beautiful or how wonderful something is if you don't do anything in your life to prove that, to show that you really mean this? Because when you love something, it's gonna play a role in your life. That's exactly what is going on in in Matthew 22. We're called to love God with our entire selves, with our heart and our soul and our mind and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That requires all of who you are, that requires that to be your number one priority in your life. You know The way like, I feel on a day where I've misplaced my headphones and I'm walking on, around school like, oh, what do I do? Like, I feel so weird right now. I don't know what to do with myself because I don't have this, this thing that I use every single day to make me feel okay. You know, that, that, that longing for I need this is how we should feel about God. When we're straying away from him, when we're far from him, we should, we should have that moment where, where is this? And you're looking within yourself and you're like, why is this not here in my life? because we know that it, we should be craving the presence and comfort of God because no matter how your day goes, you can be secure in the fact that God's love has a hold on you. And there's another thing with love that we don't always love things that are deserving of our everything. We don't always love things that are deserving of our everything. We place security in things that are, tr- that are temporary. You know, Matthew 6, it talks about not storing treasures up on earth, Because moss and rust will destroy it and it will fade when the earth is gone. It says instead to store your treasures up in heaven. And and why would would you do that compared to all, all the great things that we could have here on earth for the time we're here? It's because God is different. God is the difference. He is everlasting and he is just. And his love is so clearly reciprocated in each and every one of our lives. And there's no questioning whether or not he loves you. And the love that you give him in return, that crying out to God is also never wasted or misused by him. His love is constant. It's a river that flows that even the coldest of winters can't freeze over. That river just flows through your entire life for you. You have to ask yourself, is that enough? Because until his love is enough, nothing else in your life will be. verse five, it says, my soul will be satisfied as a fat and rich food. Right, so is your soul satisfied in him? Are you filling your heart and your mind and your soul to remember how fulfilling his purpose and his love is? His love is never failing. It's a love that has conquered the world, and has conquered death, it has conquered sin. When comparing that to anything else in this life, what can compare to that? You know, there are times where I become unsatisfied with God. I question myself, especially when I have when I get the opportunity to teach, or when I'm like, you know, deep in a, in spending time with God, and I, I think, what is the like? I'm not fit to do this. I, I feel like I don't know enough about the Bible or enough about context, or and and I I, I kind of get I get discouraged, and I'm like, why do I feel like my knowledge is so small? You know, and at times these thoughts they they drive me away and I become unsatisfied. Um and so I'm going, to, I'm going to reference the Karate Kid for a minute. In this movie, Daniel, who is the Karate Kid, he's, he's anxious and he's worried because he feels like he doesn't know enough about karate. And his teacher, Mr. Miyagi, tells him how valuable it is to grasp one concept well, instead of knowing a small amount about a lot of things. And he, he tells him to trust the quality of what you know and not the quantity, And when we think of that in terms of our faith, how sweet is it just to know the simple fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and offered us the gift of eternal life because that is enough. On top of all the knowledge and all the wisdom you could have, just knowing that is enough to live forever and to be in love with God and have a personal relationship with God. And that is how you find satisfaction, by just accepting and believing and trusting in the truth that is in the salvation of Christ. And when our hearts are satisfied, we bring God the most glory. And John Piper, he says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And when we are unsatisfied with his gifts and with his love, we, can, we fail to notice him, we ignore him, we forget. and His role, his role in our lives, it becomes suppressed. We fail to glorify him in our lives and in our hearts because we're so caught up in the dissatisfaction that is truthfully, truthfully just rooted in our own blindness to what he's doing in our lives. So when we preach his love to ourselves and embrace it, we become satisfied and we, glor- we bring glory to him in our hearts and, into the- and we bring glory to him in our lives through the way that we love people. When we find satisfaction, we begin to live differently which goes into our second point today, which is what you worship is what you live. So verse five shifts from being satisfied to praising with your mouth. You know, that idea gets repeated in this text. It's this idea of praising God with our lips and with the joyful lips. You know, I, I often, I kind of I struggle with things I say, with words that come out of my mouth, and I fail to see the value of, of some of the things I say, whether they're good or bad, and... You know, I, I've, come, I've come to realize that I like to think of it as like our words are like arrows. And they're, they're being shot directly from our heart. Right out of our mouths into people's ears. Because what we love, what is on our hearts is what's going to come out of our mouths. You know, our, our actions, they, sh- they should be a direct result of what we worship. The things we say should be a direct result of what we love the most. Because when we are satisfied with God... When we come to realize that he is better than life, we speak, we pray, and we worship, and we live differently. When we come to realize that he is better than life, we speak, we pray, we worship, and we live differently. You know, praise to God. It, it, should, it should be this vibrant action that flows from our hearts. This this clear image that this is what I love. This is what's important to me. This is what means the most. You know, We're also called to, like, to lift our hands in his name, to allow your body to be a vessel for praise. And the special thing about worship is when we worship God, every aspect of our lives becomes worship. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to, the God, to God the Father through him. What great joy is there in knowing that what we do every day has meaning because we bring glory to him through those things. We're going to touch on that again in a minute because this verse 6 kind of flows into into this. It reminds us, David reminds us to be intentional with how we live, to be refreshed daily by his word and by who he is to meditate on him. Right, 6 and 7 says when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night for you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Right, our relationships with God matter. We need to come to him with hope that he is our everything and, and David explains that God has been there. He has been his help. That's why it makes, that makes the most sense for him for that to be the only thing he calls upon when he's lost. And, and In verse 8 It says, my soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. So cling to God, not to religion. Cling to God, not to religion. Because clinging to God is clinging to the personal, intentional, constant, unconditional love that is found in a relationship with Jesus. Psalm 119, 47, 48 says, For I delight in your commands because I love them. I'll reach out for your commands which I love that I may meditate on your decrees. Right When we cling to him, to who he is, we, we fall in love with him. And we fall in love with his commands. And we follow what he says because he is our everything. Loving God with your heart and your soul and your mind is an understanding, but it's also a call to action, to live with intention. You know, God has created us so uniquely. We are, we are creative, we are smart, we are inventive people. And it's a privilege we're back on this, this concept of everything is worship because you can use everything that God has blessed you with to praise his name. You're clinging to him, now you can live for him. Everything when done with the glory of the Lord in mind becomes worship. Right? Worshipping God gives value to things that, that by themselves are vanity. He gives meaning to things that you think are meaningless you know, we get caught in this cycle of doing the same things every day, right? Going to school, going to work, all this feels pointless, why am I here? Right, but when we, when we live with the intention of, oh, I'm gonna go to school, I'm gonna go to work today to glorify God, so to worship him through the things I do, everyday tasks become an open field full of blooming possibilities because we're living to worship. And living to worship is a direct result of what we love. And it just pours out all in this all in this one big cluster of love for God. Right? And living to grow and to know Him better will open doors. For you to make impacts through Christ that will transcend the bindings of life and death. Right? There, there is eternal value in living for God and, and doing things in worship for God. So as we as we wrap up this section of the sermon. You have to think about meditating on God and remembering him like David says because you can't live for something that you rarely think about. You cannot live for something that you rarely think about. Psalm 119, two through three says, blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all of their heart. They do nothing wrong, they walk in his ways. To seek God with all of your heart. Right, and the, the end of this passage is so encouraging because right, it, it, it explains how Christ has conquered evil. Right, it says, but those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth and shall be given over to the power of the sword. Christ will hold you so tightly and I hope that's encouraging for you because there's so much reassurance to live fully for him because he has reminded us time and time again that even in the most distant of deserts, he will never let you go. That we are, when we are so deep in our own sorrow, that we can no longer spot spot the surface. He he, des- he desires for us to simply call out His name and rely on His wings. When we live to worship, when we live for God, there are going to be people who who might scorn you or despise you for living out your faith. But the beautiful thing is that these 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 people or or, or this thing that is holding you back holds no power. And Christ's sword is stronger, his love is stronger than anyone who is telling you you're doing the wrong thing or anything that is tempting you to tell you that this is not what you need. So don't feel discouraged when you feel lost, when you feel like you don't know how to live, when you feel like you're not living right because we don't worship God. We don't worship God because we have it all figured out. We worship him because He is the only thing that makes sense when we don't. We don't worship God because we have it all figured out. We worship him because he's the only thing that makes sense when we don't. He's the only thing that will make sense when we feel like we don't know what to do with ourselves. And we love him because he loved us. We worship him because he's completely and entirely good. So what you love is what you worship, and what you worship is what you will live. So now Nick is going to come and land the plane for us.
2: Uh, Top of the morning church family. Um, So what you love is what you worship and what you worship is what you live. So Isaiah and Eli did a really good job with this and they hit a lot of all the good things but there's four really big takeaways. The first one is recognize what you love. So, your desires, they'll show what you love because you'll be craving and you'll be wanting what you love. Are you wanting others to approve of you or are you wanting Christ? Are you wanting to learn to love more or are you wanting to live your own life and just be who you want to be, right? Are you loving God or are you loving the world, right? Isaiah said that we don't love the things that are deserving our our love all the time, and we don't always love the things that do deserve our love. So, like, if we're loving the things that don't deserve our love and we aren't loving the things that do deserve our love, our love is, like, it's misplaced, and you have to recognize, like, where your love is going so that you know where it should go. Um, And then, like, if you're not saved yet, um, you're like that story in... Matthew 18, right? This shepherd, he was counting off his sheep and putting them in the pen, and he had 100 sheep. And he counted off 99, and one was missing. So he left all the other sheep there, and he went, and he went searching. And he searched all night, and he finally found this, this lost sheep, and he saved them. And then he brought them home, and they like, he celebrated, and he had this party because this lost sheep was found. Right? We are lost sheep, and God is that shepherd, and he comes and he saves us. So we have to trust him, and we have to follow his voice and accept his love, right? He died for us. He loves us so much that he he sent his son to die. Like, this perfect God with this perfect son, like, he just sacrificed himself for us. These sinful, terrible people, and he saved us. Right? We can't be giving up on being found, Right? Like Eli said, we need to be seeking that living water of Christ, right? We can't just push it aside and just lay around and just hope that maybe God will pick us up because we need to seek him because we, we need to love him, right? And then on the other hand, are you saved? That's my second point. Um, you should be striving to respect and reciprocate God's love, right? We need to be, like, thanking him and stuff. and recognize, And respecting it starts with recognizing it. So, like, what has he done for you? Like, you need to examine, like, the Bible and the world around you. And, like, what has Jesus done, right? Like, first and foremost, the thing that matters the most is that he loves you. Like, like I said, this perfect holy God loves this terrible sinner. Like, polar opposites, and he loves you, right? And because of that love, he died for you. He sent his son to die for you, right? And then because he died for you, he cleansed you, right? He took your heart that was full of darkness and sin, and he turned it white as snow. He sees past all the wrongs that you've done because of this, and he sees you as beautiful as anything. Like, he sees you as the most beautiful thing in the world, and he cherishes you, and he loves you, right? And then, like, he knows that, he does that in well knowing that not everyone is going to accept him, which means he loves you individually as a person too. And like the people that don't accept it, he's like, he doesn't give up on them. He, he keeps running for, towards them and he picks them up. And when we fall, he picks us up. And when we sin and we mess up, he stays. He doesn't leave us. He forgives us. And then, for, and then after we're saved, he, he gives us his Holy Spirit. He's in us, like We have this perfect guide, this perfect holy God inside of us and he's surrounding everything and he's guiding us down the path of life and he's bringing us to where he wants us and he loves us and he's inside of us and he's perfect. And then he gives us joy and energy to fulfill his plans, right? God will bring you into hard things but he'll bring you joy in it and he'll bring you a want and a need to fulfill his plans and to grow in him and run towards him, right? Like, God loves you, and he's going to help you, and he's going to bring you all the joy that you need. And then my third takeaway, how are you worshiping, right? And a song written by Chris Brown is called Unto Your Name. It says, unto your name, Jesus on high, be glorified. No other name, Jesus alone, Savior of all. Love, saw, love undeserved and unheard of, as majesty left heaven's throne, clothed in the sorrows of sin for the glory of our God. There is no other Jesus. He died for us, he loves us, and he clothed himself in our sin. He took the sin out of us for him because he loves us, and we need to worship him, and we need to thank him for that. And in that worship, we can't be showing shame, right? We have to be bold, and we have to be worshiping God for who he is, and we need to be worshiping so that we can become closer to God and not worshiping him, like, thinking about what other people around us are thinking. Like, in singing, like, um, a couple years ago, I used to be, like, really, really timid while I was worshiping in youth group. And then um, one of the high schoolers, I saw him, and he was always raising his hands up in the air, and he was always, like, super into it. And I was like, God, help me with this. And so God's grown me, and now I feel like I'm worshiping for God, and I'm not worshiping for the people who are around me. And I'm worshiping to get closer to God, and I can feel his presence while I'm worshiping. But then worshiping isn't just singing, right? It's, it's loving people. It's going to do actions, and it's bringing us closer to God, right, in any way. So like thanking God or praying to God or like reading the Bible that God gave us, his holy book, reading it and studying it and processing it And, or like, yeah, and just serving him, like, all the jobs that the kids are doing today, that's, that's worshiping God. And then taking that worshiping and that love that God has given us and reciprocating it to other people and shining that light onto others, right? We got to be that mirror that the light shines on and we reflect it to other people so that they can see. If we have so much of the love of God and we don't share it, then we can't have the love of God in us. Or something must be wrong because, like, it's like having a cup of water and you're pouring in God's love into that cup and it's gonna overflow out of you. Like, it's gonna overflow out of your heart because there's so much. And if you're just holding that in, you're being selfish and you're not doing what God wants you to do for Him, right? And if we're not doing what God wants us to do, then we're not being thankful for what God has done for us because God literally died for us and we're just throwing it away like it's nothing. And then after the love spills out of us, it'll go on to other people, and it'll fill them up, and it'll fill and overflow their hearts, right? And then that'll just keep going, and it'll bring more and more people joy and love, and it'll bring us all closer to John or to love or God. And then my fourth takeaway: How are you responding to receiving God's love? Um, in First John, um, I'm First John four. I'm going to kind of bounce around the passage, uh, starting with verses eleven and twelve. It says. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Love is the proof of Christ in us. Right? If Christ is there, he's going to show. He's gonna, his light is so bright, it's going to shine out of us, and it's going to shine onto other people. Since God loved us, we can love others to both respect and reflect his love. When we're loving others and doing what Christ did for us and and like Christ loves us so much and we're showing other people that love, we're respecting Christ because we're showing him that we're thankful and we love him for what he did for us. But like on the other hand, like if you had a pipe that was clogged and water kept going into it and the water never came out and the pipe would be useless. Just like that, God puts his love into our lives that it might flow out. We want the Lord to clear us and fill us so that his love can flow through us. So like, we're that pipe, and we have this junk stuck in us, this sin, this darkness, this this wanting for the world, and this evil inside of us. And God can help us, but we have to ask him, and we have to to work towards clearing that clog out, so we can make room for the love of God. Going on to verse 20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen so like love people to show your love for God if you can love the people that are around you then you can love God who you can't see who's in heaven who's like this perfect God and then one more thing our love for God doesn't say anything about us it's, it's, just a common, it's just a common sense response to knowing and receiving the love of God. This means, like, when you love God, you're thanking him. And, like, when you love people, you're, like, praising God. But you are not perfect because God loves you. God loves you because he makes you perfect. You are not perfect, so you can't think that you're better than others because you have the love of God. And my final verse, um, verse 16. And so we know and rely, rely on the love of God has for us. God is love. Whoever lies in love, whoever lives in love, lives in God, and God in them. Right? Love leads to worship, leads to living it. So choose to love God, so that you worship Him, and then live for Him. Bow your heads with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, You are so good. You are love, you are holy. Help us to love you and love others. Help us to know that it's you and not us. Help us to stay focused on you. God, I pray that everybody will take this message from today and take it to heart and grow from it. In your name I pray, amen.